Welcome to China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. In November last year, a chain of stationery stores in China refused to sell white A4 sheets of paper to customers in case it was regarded as fueling an act of political sedition. Images of protesters in Chinese cities, including Beijing and Shanghai, holding up blank sheets of paper quickly spread around the world. To the international media, an exciting question arose. Is this the start of a revolution? Xi Jinping dismissed the so-called white paper protests as merely a sign of frustration by students and young people. But soon after they took place, there was a significant change in China's policy towards COVID. So what's the long-term significance of those dramatic but short-lived protests? The guest on our podcast this week is ideally placed to help us consider the implications. Yuanwen Ang is a professor of political economy at John Hopkins University. Professor Ang's essay on the white paper protests entitled The Problem with Zero was published recently in Foreign Affairs magazine. Welcome to China in Context. Thank you very much for having me, Duncan. I look forward to being on your show. Now, I'd like to start by highlighting something that you wrote in that article for Foreign Affairs. Referring to the protests in November 2022, you said, it was a momentous juncture in 21st century Chinese history. This is perhaps the first time that Chinese citizens have rallied together to resist a national policy and appeared so far to have made the authorities change course. What led you to write that? The protests in November of 2022 did in fact change the course of policy in China quite abruptly after the protest, the Chinese government has reversed course on COVID. So I think it is a fair observation that this is the first time that Chinese citizens have rallied together to resist a national policy and they actually succeed. That is truly remarkable in the history of Chinese politics. And you made the point that it was resisting a national policy. As several of the other guests I've spoken to on this podcast said, well, occasionally protests flare up against regional policies or provincial actions. But this was unusual because it was, a, it was against the national policy. There are sporadic outbreaks of protests throughout China over the years. But these kinds of protests tend to be specific to a locality. They will focus on local conflicts, such as conflicts over land compensation or old wages. And they were directed mostly at corrupt local officials. And what is truly unusual about these protests in November is that they were directed at a national policy. And not only that, zero COVID is a personal signature policy of President Xi Jinping. So that is what distinguishes it from other protests we've seen in the past. Also remarkable is the fact that the protest drew participants from all over China and from all walks of life. We have mostly seen the students being um, broadcasted in Western media, but in fact, you also see uh, similar protests or rallies happening among workers um, and among other occupations in China. 
So that's a second distinguishing factor. Another point I would add is that I am um, quite frustrated with the word protest, but I've had to use that myself. And the reason for that is in the context of liberal democracies, protest is a right. To say that someone protested is, is not a bad thing. It's in fact an exertion of your right as a citizen. But the word protest, when it is translated into Chinese, has a connotation of opposition, of a person being a troublemaker. And, and when this word is repeatedly used and amplified by the Western media and goes back into China, honestly, I often feel very worried for the people who have participated in these acts of political expression. I would have much preferred to call it rallies in the sense that in democracies, we have groups of people rallying together and they want to make their voice heard. We could introduce a different vocabulary. So that's just a side note. No, I think it's an important point, actually, perhaps particularly because it connects with this idea which seeps through a lot of the Chinese state media that protests and demonstrations in China mm -hmm. are the result of foreign agents stirring mm. up trouble and discontent. I would call that rhetoric more as a blamed deflection strategy. So instead of acknowledging that people in China have real grievances, saying that they're protesting because of um, hostile foreign forces is a way to deflect from their real grievances. So what about another word which has appeared in the, uh, in the foreign media then? Revolution. Do you think that the demonstrators were actually hoping for a revolution? Did they want to overthrow the Communist Party? That term is even more misleading. It's even worse. Um, it's a term that is, is, is often used and it's eye-grabbing. It gets a lot of attention. But that was not, in fact, what was happening in the November rallies. The kinds of activities taking place were actually diverse. So some people were holding up white paper, as you pointed out, but others were just holding quiet vigils. There were also uh, physical clashes between the police and protesters. And in a small minority of cases, there were people shouting anti-regime slogans. But if you read um, interviews with these people who were part of the rallies, uh, at least a few of them have expressed surprise that they shouted these slogans and they said that they actually were not prepared for them. Just someone said so and they followed along and they were surprised that they said it. It would be too premature and frankly quite inaccurate to call it a revolution. Um, most of the grievances were driven by deep personal frustrations with the zero COVID policy, both because it is restrictive, but more importantly, because it is senseless. And that policy and the frustrations with that policy in turn, I think triggered in a small number of people an awareness 
that there is something wrong with an authoritarian government, that zero COVID would not happen were it not for the fact that China has been moving in the repressive direction and policies are increasingly being made in an arbitrary and senseless way. Well, let's talk more about zero COVID then, because the decision by the Chinese Communist Party to change course from zero COVID and lift most of the restrictions did appear to be a policy U-turn. Back in October 2022, at around the time of the 20th Party Congress, Xi Jinping said very clearly, we must resolutely stick to dynamic zero COVID without wavering. And yet by early December, following these rallies, there was a big change. Do you think that the rallies led to the change? There are some who argue that the Chinese government was going to abandon zero COVID anyway. And I don't agree with that interpretation for at least two reasons. The first is I've read the central government regulations, including this important document called the 20 measures by the state council. And that was the measure introduced before the protests that seemed to indicate a willingness to relax zero COVID. When you read the actual language, it makes very clear that the authorities had no intention to abandon zero COVID. They just wanted to make the control measures quote unquote more precise. And they've also pushed the blame onto local governments by expecting them to both enforce zero COVID and at the same time maintain economic growth. And furthermore, if you looked at the concrete policies of local governments such as Shanghai, budgets were being allocated for more centralized quarantine facilities, for example. You don't see institutional preparations being made for zero COVID. So when you put together all of these indicators, it, it is clear that the November rallies change the course of COVID in China. Well, they may have changed the course of COVID in China, but the demonstration stopped and they certainly soon, soon slipped from the headlines. There wasn't a violent crackdown so far as I can see. So what methods did the party use to put an end to them? I wouldn't be too quick to say that there was no crackdown. The methods of repression have changed since um, the Tiananmen protests of 1989. One of the lessons that the Chinese authorities have learned is to avoid cracking down in public in a brutal and violent fashion, which will be broadcast around the world and make the government look uh, terrible. So the method that they have employed instead is to avoid a violent public crackdown, but then to arrest individual participants after the event one by one. And at that point, the Western media would no longer be paying attention to these events. So in that sense, the Chinese government is um, tapping into the reality that media attention on such things as protests in China is short-lived and that media is often looking for dramatic events. So as long as it avoids the drama 
and the large scale demonstrations, it can still crack down on these types of demonstrations privately after the surge of attention is over. You mentioned Tiananmen Square in 1989. How do you compare the events in November 2022 to the Tiananmen protests back then? There are both similarities and differences. The key similarity is the one that I earlier mentioned, which is that these are rallies that took place across the country and they have a national agenda and they are wrapped up with calls of political freedoms in certain parts of the demonstrations. Um, and, and to that extent, many people have drawn parallels between the November rallies and Tiananmen. However, there are some big differences. One of the big differences is that Tiananmen actually took place during an aspirational period of growth in China. In the 1980s, China had opened up its markets, and that was actually a time when everyone in China, regardless of their occupation and walk of life, had experienced their standard of living go up. So they were protesting in this aspirational period. And at the time, the protesters of Tiananmen, they called for democracy and they called for political freedoms, but it's not clear that they really understood what those things meant. If you go back and look at some of the interviews and memoirs with student demonstrators, they would admit that we use the term democracy, we emulate Western democracies like the US, but they weren't exactly sure what democracy entails or involves. And so that's why I think the November rallies are actually more meaningful because this time when people are protesting, they know concretely what they're fighting for. They, they have had their personal freedoms removed from them during the period of COVID lockdowns. And a small number of them have come to understand that they are experiencing this suffering because of the systemic problems of authoritarianism. Well, thank you, Anne, for your precise and carefully considered responses to my questions. That was a fascinating topic. Yuan Yuan Ang is a professor of political economy at John Hopkins University, and she was on the line from the United States. This podcast is made by the SOAS China Institute in London, and you can find out more about our courses and research on our website, soas.ac.uk. But for now, that's all from us here on the China in Context podcast team. Thank you.